Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing today? Great. How are you, Randy? Doing fabulous. I um, I have a question that I would like to ask you. It's sort of a pre-jam kind of question if you're getting ready to go out in the afternoon. So what is your favorite breakfast cereal or breakfast that you like to have before you go out and jam for the day? Favorite? Well, it's not cereal, that's for sure. Um, but my favorite breakfast pre-jam would be a uh, veggie scramble, probably four eggs with uh, mushrooms, spinach, peppers, uh, some cheese, maybe pepper jack cheese. Uh, <laughs> yes, I've thought about uh-huh. this a lot because it's because <laughs> I do it every time I jam. Four <laughs> eggs, two pieces of toast, and four strips of bacon. <laughs> wow, four eggs and four strips of bacon. You're in the uh, the quad requirement of uh, ingredients. Yeah. Well, only two pieces of toast. I guess it's four halves. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you do kind of have a big tank to fill. You know, you got that frame that's got to be fueled up for the day's jam. So, yeah. And, you know, I like to jam for at least four hours at a time. So I got to have a lot of food. <laughs> it's there's a one egg number, per hour. There's the number four coming back into play. So I like just like a simple bowl of oatmeal with some raisins and some honey. And, and that'll usually do it for me. Well, why don't we get into today's episode? We uh, are going to continue our conversation with Dexter Strutz. We're going to start off the conversation with Dexter, getting his thoughts about competition formats and how they might be perceived by an audience. So enjoy. So Dexter, what are your views on freestyle competition and promotion, given your perspective as a promoter and footbag player? It's kind of a big question, but I'm curious yeah, that's to hear a, that's, your thoughts. It's a big question, but uh, I... I, I gave it a thought uh, from time to time, and um, because I also see from a different perspective of uh, of a footback organizer and also freestyle football organizer, and uh, over the past twenty years, I organized many uh, kind of let's say these kinds of sports events, and it's very hard for a, a, fris- a freestyle frisbee player uh, to go outside of the circle and think differently about it the competition format we have right now is is not bad but uh i think from my perspective it's boring and uh i'll tell you why my idea of of how to promote the sport or how to make a great event that could be featured on tv or that would have a large budget that you could get a lot of sponsors for that give you I don't know, thirty thousand uh, dollars, because then you're going to be all over the internet and in TV and stuff like that. It's going to be in in the city center with thousands of people watching, and it's doable. But you have to change the format so that it's easier for the people who don't understand this. You know, if I would have to uh, say it uh, just like roughly then you would have to take the Red Bull approach, what they're doing with any sports, which of course, all the, most of the sportsmen always say, hey, this is, this is not, uh, this is not uh, we don't like it, you know, 
but but they're doing it right from my opinion you know if you want to showcase the sport you have to change the format so, so what is the format that you see being the format you would change it to i don't know I, this is the thing i don't know and it's it has to be it has to be tried and uh, it has to be given a thought and uh, i really i really don't know what uh, what the format could be you know i i love routines but how many routines do you see um, that are worth showing in TV? Honestly, I see only one in the in the few years uh, at Frisbeer. Uh, although Frisbeer is a tournament, people don't really prepare uh, routines. And so, if if we had a routine like the Karlsruhe guys have eight of them in the finals, you know, then I'm fine. Let it be a routine with an instant score, you know, with a good commentary in the middle of Prague with stands of people around streamed live into the TV. This is all doable. Do you think that shorter routines could be something that would be worth looking at? Yeah, definitely. Shorter routines, but probably, again, if you would have uh, five-minute co-op routines and you would have eight of them, which would be really spectacular, that you hold your breath the whole five minutes, then why not five minutes? But I don't see it, you know, because it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time for these three people to practice. In in normal sports, you would have a choreographer, you would have a guy for nutrition, you would have uh, another guy who, I don't know, chooses your footwear. You would just have a team of people who prepare this for you and you just focus on uh, your performance and, and training, you know. It's hard to say. Also, money is a big um, a big thing, you know. If you would have a tour around the world where all these best teams, either they are qualified or they are just taken, if you would take eight best teams and were able to pay them such that they can make a living of it, then it would be something different, you know, because now this will be their job. The job would be to practice the routine. So for for me, I was always like in footbag. We were in the beginning, we were against prize money. Uh, as as the years came and and uh, it it kind of declined, and and the top players like lost kind of their motivation with footbag. I think actually prize money could uh, help this a little. Of course, again, it has to be not a few hundred dollars, but few thousand dollars so does footbag have the same dilemma of growth and like not attracting audiences is that happening as well there yes but it's 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 going down right now but uh, the problem that we're facing is that there are not many new players coming in and and it's it's easy because the the sport whether it it be frisbee or or footback or any freestyle football. It doesn't have that problem though. Um, it's hard, it's demanding. And today the young kids have so many other options to do, especially with uh, with all these uh, technological advancements, uh, smartphones and computers, and they see that they can actually make a lot of money playing a computer game. When I was younger, it was just few sports that you could actually do, but now, there's so many things, you know, every, every, everything 
has its own group of people that do it and that's on a high level that it'd be slackline or a lot of the bike uh, flatlands you know even even the yo-yo but i think all of these are actually facing the same problem yeah i think you also you get folks that become specialized and they become so good that so when a new person sees it they like there's no way i can get there and the learning curve is really steep it's with footbag it's with freestyle and Doing the podcast, we've been talking to a lot of the early day players. It was just much more accessible to the regular person. It was more of a throw and catch. But now things have gotten so technical that people don't even know what the heck is going on. That's the same with footbag. I mean, I remember footbag used to just kind of be a couple inside taps and kicks. And now I just saw something recently. The Czech dude, who's the world champ, I'm like, I have no idea what he's doing, but it's phenomenal. And I'm like... I can't get there, and so I don't even go. It's it's like that, but there are still people around everywhere. I see them who have a food bag in their uh, in their pocket or a frisbee in their bag, and they go to the park and they still throw. You know, they still kick, but they uh, they don't want to uh, take it into the next level because then they search for it and they say, hey, "This is I'll, I'll never be able to do this." So I think the approach here for the new players is just try to. Um, do it step by step just throw with them and uh, do some nice catches and and uh, don't just force them to do the delay right away i think we also need to count like just if we don't have a lot of new top players going to competitions but we still have new growth of people just playing in the parks playing for fun or maybe they're getting to a certain level and and still going to competitions i still think that's successful as long as we have more people playing yeah, and I think a good way is just like to have these uh, frisbee uh, festivals. Let's say, let's say, let's name it frisbee festivals, where all these sports are kind of together. Not maybe on the on the top level. Uh, something we're trying to do with with the world's in Ternava as well. You know, just have these all these people together. We had this tournament that was called Fun Factory for Frisbee. It, uh, I think there were only two two years. And, and this guy just took all the frisbee sports and bought them to these fields. And there was a, there was a disc golf course and uh, there was uh, ultimate games there. And we had our freestyle tent there. And um, there was there was dogs there, you know. And then and there was all these all these frisbee games like you know the accuracy thing or all these frisbee games. You know? So and then you can you can actually get people. To jump from different uh, different games. Uh, so, Dexter, do you think that the judging system can change? Or, if, or if, let me ask this a different way: Do you think that there's any changes we can make to the judging system that would uh, cause the players to play in a way that was more appealing for an audience? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the the judging uh, system we tried uh, this year at Frisbeer is is a good uh, is a good uh, way to go. I don't know how it would work then on the on the world level, for example, at the world championships level, because I know that it's, it's the, the people are more like more competitive there. That creates a certain problems. So the the judging of all these all these freestyle is always hard because all this judging is uh, subjective, right? It's just like what you think how it should be. What is what is the perfect form? You know, it's very hard to just count everything. And then, and then, then it's, it's the question of judges. You know, we don't really run any 
judging clinics or I don't know at, at Worlds if it's if it's run by someone. It's always nice at the at the bigger tournament to have a judging clinic for for the judges that are interested or for other people. Uh, and again, repeat what it's about. You know, if if the guy judges once a year, then he needs to remind himself. Let's 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 discuss what's it about. You know, so um, professional judges. Um, and then you know what they're judging. I don't know. It's, this is a very hard, uh, hard thing to to address. And uh, so, when you're talking about what you liked at Frisbeer, so you're talking about the electronic judging system, the direction that that's going. Yes, yes, definitely. Like for for the format that I would like to see, and I told you this, uh, really like make it uh, a show. So the the system we tried, the electronic thing, is the way to go because it's instant. You know, you could. You could send in graphs how people are. But for me, from the position of a tournament organizer and a producer, have it immediately. And you're talking about like that, the idea that, that Ryan has is like the knob where you're just kind of moving it back and forth between one and 10 as you see what is happening. And there's a graph that's on a screen so that the, the audience can actually see what's happening real time and compare it against other teams. Is that kind of what you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the that's that's the idea. I remember we were we were discussing it together the last time. I think you were here at Frisbeer. I remember because I was sitting at this table and we were discussing this. Uh, and you had the idea, Randy, about this uh, skateboard. I think they used it in skateboard competitions. And that's generally it. What what Ryan is uh, is doing there, and and it's great. And I think we need to try new things so that we can move somewhere. If it's not going to work, you can always go to the old judging system. For example, in Foodback, we had these two judging systems. Uh, one was you had five judges, and each judge judged uh, one category. There was difficulty, variety, artistic impression, execution, and overall impression. And each of the judges focused only on one thing. Then we had uh, the new Olympic-style system, is that there are still six judges, or five or four, it doesn't really matter. And they judge from 0.0 to 6.0 and they give two marks. One is artistic and one is difficulty. But if you don't have qualified judges for this new Olympic style system, because the Olympic style system makes the judge look at everything and it's just very hard if you're not used to it, you know. So the older system is better if. Uh, you don't have many experienced judges. Then there is another system that was used back in the days, and that other system actually had like 20 people on the judges panel. Everyone had his own computer, and they just calculated uh, how many times he, the player spent to the left, how many times he spent to the right, and how many times he circled the bag. And so it would be like if you would count how many rolls you did and then the form. So it was a very like mathematical thing. So it was very precise, but you need so many manpower that it was just uh, unable. So there are many, many options and many formats to look in through in the other sports. You know, like um, in, in freestyle football, they also have this judging system, which is just evolving they don't know how to grasp it. And if you just put a different panel of judges, 
then, then they would uh, they would say differently. <laughs> well, you know, I like your idea where you said Footbag had the five categories and each there was one judge for each category. So you could have an electronic knob for each category. So the person would be focused on ju- on difficulty. The person would be focused on artistic, just like how you laid it out. And that, but they use the knob, so it's more of a feel. And if they're just focused on that, then you might get yeah. truer results. And I would love to see that type of system compared with what the FPA current judging system is. And I wish you could have them both be used and see did the top people actually win who would have won the FPA or using an electronic knob. And is there a big difference? Yeah, we did the, get the feedback in, 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 with these two ones, and it was it was generally the same. Again, it's very hard because you cannot really have the two uh, sets, the same two sets of judges. I think it's very easy to say who was better, generally, if you just look at yeah. it. You know. We're making it harder than it needs to be. We're trying to go down this rabbit hole, and we get lost in the idea of judging, and really, it's like, you can pretty much tell who are the top teams um, without sure. having to try to slice it and dice it. Of course, I can also see the um, the problem that would arose uh, when there's a lot of good teams on the same level, you know, and you have to somehow distinguish these top, let's say, five or six teams, right. which were really like by by a small margin, you know, then. I could understand then then the then the teams who worked for it the whole year and thought they were the best how how they would argue and um, again this is a very uh, complicated issue but I think uh, we need to talk about it and, and um, we should at every every bigger tournament there should be this like uh, I don't know how to say like uh, let's say the future of freestyle debate or something like this where people just would just like debate about these things. Only talking about it is good. That's basically, that's what I was going to say. When the top teams are close, uh, there can be a lot of debate as to who really was the best. And, you know, we still run into that problem with our complex judging system. I've been to events where uh, many people believe one team won, but another team actually won based on the judging system. And I'm sure that if you polled every single person there, you might come up with a different response than if you pulled a certain subset, but I don't know. We have a name for that, right? You got booshed. Yeah, you got booshed. Well, you know, like 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 Dexter said, it really is the nature of it. It's subjective. So it's like yeah. the film critics, two film critics go in and watch uh, the same movie and they come out with different experiences. So it's, right. it's right. almost like you're never going to be able to avoid it. You know, you are. I mean, part we. I think part of it is we just culturally have to understand that it's subjective, and there is no such thing as you are the best. It's an art form, and so we all have our own expression of that art form. And uh, instead of using the competition to try to find out who who is the best, it should be a. I get to show off my art form to an audience, and then b. Uh, if we can come up with a set of rules that an audience can understand, and then apply to what they're seeing. And maybe even the players can change what they do based on the rules to try to win. It will be more engaging for an audience. I don't know oh, if that well, makes I think sense. that's no, totally. I think that is oh, the million Lord. dollar question. Well, right now we're playing for the players. There is nobody that we're playing for. So what is the point if there's nobody to watch us? Like if a if a jammer falls in the woods and nobody hears him, is he really jamming? I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, and as you said, it's 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 art. It's an art form. So, and if you have uh, art film festival, you don't really also have uh, use. Yeah, you have a set of judges, but it's it's not a competition. It's not a real competition. You someone gets an award in the end, but uh, so so maybe do it like like this, but then it loses the competitive thing. Where I think also there are players who are in for the competition. You know, and it gives them the drive, and it gives them power. That's true. It's true. It's a hard. It's a fine line to walk. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know is. that we've totally figured it out yet. Yeah, and I'm not sure you ever can, but I do think that there is something about if you're playing for the players or you're playing for the audience. I think that is the difference. So when you start playing for somebody else besides yourself or the the current players, that's where I think the magic is. Yeah, for me, I think you're right. And it's interesting because you could, so you could approach that in a couple of ways. One is you could, as Dexter was saying, you put on a show. So the freestyle routine is just about impressing the audience based on what you're doing. But maybe another approach is to come up with a set of really simple rules. Like if you do the most guidances, you win. That's oversimplified, but it's, it's kind of illustrates the point. So whichever team does the most guidances wins. Now the audience can just watch for who's doing the most. And even though it may not be, as as much of a dance performance, it'll be really clear who's winning. If we, if we would really uh, could change it, that the audience would be deciding, and you would just have a good, precise measure of um, what what the sounds from the audience. You have to have a, a big crowd, of course. You know, if you make the audience um, applaud or make noises or whatever then um, you could measure it somehow and just rise you know the bar each time i think this way we could really see some energizing routines wow i really enjoyed listening to dexter's perspective on how to bring in the audience uh, especially given his background as a event promoter i mean that's his whole expertise is how to bring in the audience so it was pretty cool to listen to what he had to say yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's that whole thing, the way that FPA Worlds is packaged right now, at least from an audience perspective, it's just really convoluted and inefficient and it, it doesn't really allow folks to be engaged. So kind of that there is the premise for a lot of all of these discussions that we've had about how to make it more audience friendly. And I think one of the things that I hope is not happening is that the term audience friendly is getting associated with like diluting what we're offering and taking away the integrity of the sport. Cause that's not what this discussion is about at all. It's really about how do we bring the audience in to enjoy what we're offering? I totally agree with that. I think that uh, we, what we have to do is take the sport that we love as it is and share it with the world. Uh, if we have to change it to share it, then we're going to lose something because we love it the way it is. Uh, I love shredding and I love jamming and I want to share it with everybody. So really, I mean, that's what we've been talking about for this past year. How do we take what we love and share it with the world? Something that I'm very excited about. Yeah, me too. And that whole idea about you know making it more audience friendly is about making it a show for the audience, not changing what we're bringing to the table whatsoever. It's like, Bring your heart, bring your soul. If you want to shred, shred. If you want to go more art, go more art. This conversation is really about how do we turn people on to what we're doing? Yeah. We're not trying to say change how you present yourself in a routine to bring in the audience. That's not what we want. We're trying to say do what you love, keep shredding. We need to package up everything else around what you do to make it more audience friendly. 
Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. That's great. So, um, well, one thing I want to mention is I want to tease again our Patreon platform that we're going to be launching on February 4th that is going to allow folks uh, more ways to engage with us and support what we're doing here at Frisbee Guru. So on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live.